Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Well, welcome to 2023. I'm glad that you've chosen to spend New Year's morning with us, those of you in the room as well as those of you on live stream. Hey, up here on the platform, you'll see there are two roses, and roses signify new life in Jesus. And at Christmas Eve service, actually the 11 o'clock service, right about when we were ready to ring in Christmas, Jaden and Brandon both nailed ribbons into the cross. Would you celebrate that with me? Every year as a new year starts, I kind of have my own little traditions. I love looking at different news organizations when they do kind of the year in review through pictures. So BBC, The Atlantic, different news outlets, they do these years in pictures, and I just love checking those out. The other thing I love doing is oftentimes Merriam-Webster, Oxford Dictionary, they come up with like kind of the word of the year. And I don't know if any of you follow those things. This year, for the first time ever, Oxford decided that they were going to put it to the public. And so Oxford chose three. Three words that were all in consideration for the word of the year. I'll throw them up here. These are our three words. Metaverse, goblin mode, and hashtag I stand with. What do you think won out, right? What's our word of the year? Anybody know what the word of the year is? Goblin mode. Goblin mode is the word of the year. So goblin mode. This is what goblin mode means. I'm going to preach today about goblin mode. Are you ready for that? Kids, I'm glad you're in the room with us today. This is going to be fun. A type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, I had to look that word up, by the way, just so you know, don't feel bad if you did too, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. They chose this word because it kind of captures something that was happening in our culture. A lot of people were just struggling because our culture has continually been setting these kind of unattainable aesthetics and unattainable just images and lifestyles, especially through social media, that people try to live up to. These standards that are almost impossible to meet, and we come under these, and they become almost burdensome from us. And so when you just kind of finally feel like, I can't hit that level, I can't get that image and keep it up, I'm exhausted, sometimes people go goblin mode. So they swing the pendulum all the way to the other side, and they say, whatever, and they let themselves go, and they don't have a care in the world, and, and pictures of people going goblin mode in their messy rooms with pizza boxes and just, just tons and tons of coffee, and just they gave up. They gave up. And it's a fascinating thing because it's, it is. It's part of our culture. People are their own PR people, and they're just trying to keep these standards up. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to appear good enough. It's exhausting trying to keep people from seeing that one thing that you know might disqualify you from being viewed in a certain way. And so I feel it's important to talk about this even today because I believe Christians fall under this, even with regards to religious expectations and social norms. I feel that so many of us are trying to behave in a certain way in certain circles, and we're trying to conquer sin and temptations on our own strength, and we're failing in our attempts to meet what we, and appease what we feel like is an angry God looking down on us. We're trying to earn his acceptance and favor, and it gets ugly. 
In fact, we begin to compete with other people and don't even realize it. We begin to judge others. It's legalism at its finest. And I feel that it's important to talk about it today because as we enter a new year, I want us to be free from this. This is actually what Jesus entered into when he came to earth. He entered into a day where this was at its height, where legalism and and people were just putting these, these just heavy burdens on one another. The influencers of the day when Christ walked to earth were the Pharisees. And Jesus is continually calling them out in scripture. Nowhere does he get more intense with them than in Matthew 23. He calls them whitewashed tombs, cups that are clean on the outside and filthy inside. But this is also what he says. Speaking to the disciples about the Pharisees, he says, they crush people with their unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels, and they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor at the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. All about show. But it's verse four here in Matthew 23 where it says they crush people with their unbearable religious demands. Their standards were a burden. And church family, I hope you never sense that from us. But many of us have grown up in circles, religious circles, churches, under pastors and leaders where we did feel that pressure, where we felt like we had to act or behave a certain way and in a way put on a show. Church family, I pray that that is not our posture here that we are not putting weights on one another that none of us can truly bear. Because when we do that, people give up. People go goblin mode. People throw in the towel. But I believe that Jesus comes into this environment and he brings a level of peace and freedom. And he comes at this and says, that is not the way it is supposed to be. And so even on this New Year's Day, as some of you have written out resolutions, and I hope some of those resolutions have to deal with your faith. I hope that some of those resolutions are spiritual resolutions. I just want to make sure that they're not legalistic, that you're not placing burdens on yourself that you need not to put on yourself as you launch this new year. You see, church, we get to live from God's grace. We get to live from his favor. We don't have to earn it. We have a phrase that we like to throw around around here. I believe it's become common language. It's simply this. We live from God's favor rather than earn God's favor. We live from God's favor rather than try to earn God's favor. And I believe as we enter into this new year, it is important for us to keep this at the forefront of what we are doing. And so even as we prepare to read Jesus' words into this, this overly burdened culture, I just want to do a simple exercise, palms down, palms up. We've done this before, but would you just put your palms down for a second? And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come, that you would show us these places in our own lives where we're trying to earn your favor, where we're coming under these burdens that we don't need to come under, where where we're, because of guilt or fear, getting into your word, praying through our lists. Would you release us from those things? We shake those off. In Jesus' name, and we turn our palms up 
And church family, receive the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This is the word of the Lord. This word in Matthew 11 is an often preached word, and I want to preach on it today. In fact, at first, I want us to just take a look at the pastor and the, the author, Eugene Peterson's interpretation and the message of this same passage. We'll throw it up here. Are you tired? Yes. Worn out? Maybe. Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Church family, walk with me, and I will teach you true, real rest the rhythms of grace. One of the reasons you're having to hear this message today is because I need to hear this message today. To set up those rhythms of rest, to breathe, to relax, to, as I encounter with God, seek his face, not just his hands. And I believe the same is true for many of you. To understand this passage in Matthew 11, it's important to understand just the agricultural society in first century Palestine that Jesus was speaking to. And he talks about this yoke. And many of you know what a yoke is. I'll put a picture of one up here. But some of you might not. A yoke is this, this heavy thing that goes on two oxen that ties them together so that they can plow a field kind of together. And Jesus is using this because this is a great picture of being tied to something. And he is saying, you have been tied to the law. And he's talking to the Pharisees. See, the law is made up of 600, 615 different laws that we find in the Old Testament. And the law, the Mosaic law, is not a bad thing. In fact, it's there to help the people of the Old Testament enter into rest. It talks about Sabbath. It talks about these things. But the people of God added thousands more regulations, thousands more things onto it that became a burden. And people struggled to find rest. And it's into this community that Jesus is speaking. He's using this as a metaphor to go after the religious leaders. And I think it's important. We continually come back to this. I often throw up these three words on the screen, behold, believe, and behave. And I just want to hit it again really quickly because I think so often it's important. We have to start with beholding who God is. But when all these regulations got put on the people and the Pharisees were piling them up, they started with behavior. And anytime you start with behavior, it's going to be burdensome, it's going to feel heavy, and it's going to create legalism. But we need, we start with by beholding who God is. And from experiencing him, out of that becomes our belief. And from that belief becomes nothing more than wanting to please him, bringing him honor, bringing him praise with the way we live our lives. And therefore, it's not us trying to earn his favor, but rather we're living under it. 
But so easily we fall into the trap of starting with behavior. And many of us find ourselves stuck there. And here in this passage in Matthew 11, I see that there's two steps that Jesus gives us to kind of reverse out of that. The first is that we're supposed to unstrap from the yoke, from the burden of religious expectations and behavioral standards. Some of you were part of huddles that we did around here two or three years ago, maybe even more, and we looked at these different discipleship shapes to help us just kind of understand God and, and grow in him, and one of those was called the Identity Triangle. For some of you, this is a refresher. For some of you, it's the first time. And there's two ways that you can go around this triangle. And first, I want to start with the negative way to go around the triangle, because this is what many of us do. We start up top with Father God, and we have this picture of Father God, and we know that we need to obey him. But our obedience to God is based on a fear, this concept that maybe he's frustrated or angry with us, and so we need to appease him. We need to earn his respect and trust. And so we come down this side because of fear, and we obey. But when we do that, we become slaves. Our identity is wrapped up in what we produce and how we act and how we are viewed by others. And therefore, our identity, it's, it's one of slavery. And therefore, anytime we enter before Father God, what do we feel? We don't experience grace. We come under shame. That's the burden that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 11. He's going after it. And many of us are stuck here. Many of us are stuck here and we need to unstrap and go the other way around the circle, which we will get to in a moment. But it's first important to understand how do we get here? Where did these misunderstandings of who Father God is creep in in our lives? I encourage you to even just think about your upbringing and different communities that maybe you are a part of and try to understand where some of these misunderstandings came. The theologian N.T. Wright talking about this passage, he says, Jesus here is encouraging us to believe that he isn't going to stand over us like a policeman or be cross with us like an angry school teacher. And the welcome he offers for all who abandon themselves to his mercy is the welcome that God offers through him. This is the invitation which pulls back the curtain and lets us see who the father really is. It encourages us to come before his loving, welcoming presence. And so many of us have this baggage and this history of viewing God as an angry school teacher who's cross with us. But we also have something else that often pushes us in the wrong direction. We're Americans. We are Americans. And whether you understand it or not, our culture is continually pushing us in this direction. Having lived in other cultures, when you come back to America, you realize, wow, wow. The researcher L. Robert Coles identifies 13 values that are ingrained in Americans. I want to throw just seven of them up here. And I just ask you, what resonates with you? Most of these resonate with me, unfortunately. Our values, these are things we inherit. Personal control over the environment. Yep. Time and its control individualism and privacy, self-help control. I got it on my own. I got it. Competition and free enterprise, action and work orientation. I find my identity in accomplishing things and working hard. And then seven, practicality and efficiency. These are ingrained in us from a young age as Americans. And these, friends, cause us to view God in a way that says we need to earn something. We need to earn the favor of him as we walk. These are so individualistic, so independence-driven. 
Rest and Sabbath, so many books are being put out on rest and Sabbath in America right now. They're not in other cultures. They're not selling. They're not flying off the the shelves in certain cultures, but they are here. Living in the Middle East, you never heard people saying how tired they were or trying to slip into conversations how busy life was to show their importance. Yet we do it all the time. We've made community rare. We've made dependency on others a weakness. I'm guilty of that one. And it makes us susceptible to this earn it mentality where we fall under religious expectations and behavioral standards and church family, as we enter 2023, we need to unstrap from that. We need to unstrap from that. But that's just the first thing that we have to do because we unstrap from it and we take on a new yoke. See, we don't unstrap from it so that we can become fiercely independent. We don't unstrap from it so that we can simply go goblin mode and say whatever to everything and just throw our hands in the air and say, meh. No. We unstrap from it so that we can follow the words of Jesus here in Matthew 11 and take his yoke upon us. That's the second thing we do. We yoke ourselves to Jesus. The yoke of Jesus is understood by Matthew, the writer of the gospel here, is not one of coming under a code or a set of regulations. It's attaching ourselves to a person, a teacher, a prophet, a king, applying his teaching, his ways, his example to how we live. In church family, when we start from that, that place, we get to see the other half of the identity triangle. We'll throw it up here. This is the way it's supposed to happen. We look at Father God and we say, look, we have your grace that we cannot earn. And when we receive your grace, our identity is firm because we are children of the living king. We are sons and daughters of the one that died for us and our identity is strong. And from that identity, we are free. We are free, and our obedience isn't out of slavery. Our obedience is out of the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing place to be. And in that, our response back to Father God is love. It is worship. It is honor. It is praise. Church family, which way around this triangle are you headed? Which way? Here we see that Jesus wants to free us. It should feel different. This is based in his mercy and his kindness and his goodness. This is a yoke that is favor, favor that we operate from his grace rather than earning it. It's a yoke that carries with it protection. It's a yoke that carries with it authority. Yes, it'll likely involve a level of work, but it won't be a work that's burdensome. It'll be a work that is purposeful. Back to the days of the Garden of Eden where the work that was being carried out was full of joy as it will one day again when Jesus comes back and sets up the new heavens and the new earth. When we yoke ourselves to him, it all changes. We start with the beholding. And so as we conclude, I want you to check out this quote from Dane Ortland, the author of Gentle and Lowly, a book I highly recommend. He says this, he says, you don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Get this, your very burden is what qualifies you to come. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. No payment is required. He says, I will give you rest. His rest is a gift, not transaction. Whether you are actively working hard to crowbar your life into smoothness, which is labor, or passively finding yourself weighed down by something outside your control, the circumstances which are heavy laden, Jesus Christ's desire 
is that you find rest, that you come in out of the storm, and that outstrips even your own desire. He wants it more than you. And so as you begin this new year, here's your reminder. Here's what I believe God is inviting you into. It's rest. He's inviting you in to rest. He's asking you to remove those assumptions of being and appearing religious and he's inviting you to simply breathe, to relax, to take a posture of simply beholding who he is. He'll give you work, but it will be purposeful. It will be life-giving. And so in this new year, may your resolution not be behavior-driven, but behold-driven. May it be behold-driven. Let me close with one practical way to do this, even in your reading of Scripture. You see, I think that a lot of times we just get into the Word of God because we feel like it's what we're supposed to do. And there's a part of that that's actually not a bad thing. I'm currently in a two-year reading plan on, on the app, and I actually, I enjoy doing it. But part of the reason I enjoy doing it is because I'm an overachiever. So getting to check off each one of those things every day and hit next and see that my calendar is good, there's something in me like, yeah, this is good, this is good. That's the wrong motivation. Yet it's still a good thing, and God continues to surprise me by what scriptures come on certain days, and oh, I really needed to hear that, and wow, this is amazing. But we need to balance that with another form of reading scripture called devotional reading. Sometimes around here we call it Lectio Divina. And I just want to take a moment, just even let you know, our new Bible study guides for the next four weeks are available out there for you. We're going to be in a new series called Gifts, Passion, Story for the next four weeks. But we've written these Bible study guides a little bit different. We've written them through this devotional reading style. And what we'll see here on the screen, here's just these five movements that we wanted you to encourage to balance your list reading, trying to get through it with some devotional reading where you simply prepare yourself. And as you come to the scripture, you say, you come with anticipation, Lord, what do you want to say? You quiet yourself. You get ready to receive from him. Maybe you turn off your phone or put it away and you invite Holy Spirit to guide your thinking and your feeling as you read. And then you read it and you pay attention to what jumps off the page at you. You pay close attention. Is there an image? Is there a word? Something that jumps out to you? Something that's unique? And you reflect upon that. When you finish reading it the first time, you read it again, and you journey through the text, and you let it connect with you personally, where you are in your season of life. And you spend some time there, and then you respond. You talk to God about the experience you just had with his living word. You might say, I'm confused by that. Wow, that got my attention and moved me, or that brought something else to mind. But you talk to God about it. You interact. You pray through the text with him. But you don't stop there. It's this final one, this rest piece that I believe is so important. And you pause and you sit in his presence and you allow space for what he's just given you, the download that has just come to you, the words, the reflections to sink deeply into your soul. And you say, thank you. Thank you, God. Church family, as we enter 2023, I just pray that you get it. That you live not trying to earn God's favor, but simply receiving the favor that he freely gives us. That you live from his favor. That you find rest. That you relax.
that you enjoy his presence, that you behold who he is. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you for those in this room and those that are on live stream, and I just pray now. For those of us that are stuck going the wrong way around the circle, for those of us that starting at the place of behavior, I pray, Spirit, that you would come, that you would give us the courage and the power to unstrap from that yoke and to be done with that. That there would be a marked difference in our lives. Holy Spirit, would you come, would you convict those that are in that cycle and don't even realize it, that are struggling, that are tired, that are just under these burdens, and would you free them in Jesus' name? And Lord, would you help us to put on your yoke? Would you allow us to tie to you, to submit to your rule, to your reign in our lives? And in that, would you bring freedom? Would you bring worship? Would you bring beauty? Would you show us your face in new and fresh ways this year? Lord, we are expectant, and we declare that you are a good father, so help us breathe you in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.